This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Paddy. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Trisha and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventure in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing. Half measure style. Kia ora Etifano, and thank you for tuning in to Half Measures. Uh, this is our 60th episode of the podcast. So we're actually getting close to retirement age, but someone who shows no signs of slowing down is my friend and co host Dan Whiting. Dan, how the bloody hell are you? Kia ora Paul. 60, I can't believe it, happy 60th, we're officially over the hill, we're five episodes away from retirement, and you know, we can just live out the wonder years. We all know we're going to have to work until our 70s by the time we get there, right? Mm. It's depressing, right? It's fair. I, it, it really does amaze me that we're up to episode 60, it feels like it's both gone fast, and it just it just wasn't that long ago that we were we were doing that first episode, our top 10 tv shows or that's it's crazy i feel tempted to go back and listen to that but i also feel like i would be horrified so maybe not maybe not i feel like we'd need the snyder cut if we're going to go back and listen to them because they probably need some serious audio work and editing to really bring them up to scratch but you know it's an evolution paul including the you know the photoshop mustache it all needs to be taken care of but then Enough about the past. How about the present? What have you been watching this week? I've got a few things for you this week, Paul. So the first thing on my list is I've been watching a TV show on Neon called Zero Zero Zero, and it's a eight episode. Let's let's call it a mini series because I don't think they're doing a, another season. It's a it's a one shot, and I'll tell you, Paul. It's been a hell of a ride. So I don't know if you know much about this TV show, but the synopsis of it is basically it's about a a cocaine shipment that's making its way to Europe, starting from the moment a powerful uh, cartel of Italian criminals decides to buy it um, through its journey through Mexico and its shipment across the Atlantic Ocean. And it basically tells the the story of kind of from three, roughly three sort of points of view. So you've got the the cartel and the various people associated with that. You've got uh, these um, Mexican military sort of forces who um, are, are trying to sort of con- control the, the drug scene in Mexico. And then you've got these American, I think they're from New Orleans, um, sh- uh, brokers or they're sort of are dealing with the shipping and the logistics. And they've all kind of got complicated stories that are all involved in the same cocaine shipment and they all kind of interwove together and it's it's pretty good like I would say that if you're a fan of Narcos which I know you are if you're a fan of Sicario which I know you are 
it's kind of a giant cocktail of those two things. It's it's pretty violent, as you can imagine, with the sort of the the whole sort of cartel. Uh, drug scene but it's also got a pretty great story and it only eight episodes long i'd say this is a must watch i think you're right and it takes as you say it takes so many boxes for me that it's definitely got my attention and more than that just the fact that it's eight episodes i love that that feels really doable and it's not a big commitment and if it's not quite for me well it's it's no biggie but um there's there's a lot about this that appeals. I don't know any of the guys that have created this, and I know I can only recognise a couple of the actors. So it looks like something very new to discover. Yeah, so I think it originally came out back in 2019. It's pretty new out here in New Zealand. It only just came out this year, um, and so it was a Sky original. Um, and I also think it's been marketed on Amazon. So it's sort of interested that it's interesting that it's here on Neon. It is quite subtitle heavy, uh, mm. obviously, because we're traveling around different parts of the globe. And I actually have heard that has put a few people off, but look, we both love a, a good subtitle show. And I think this is, this is one to sort of sit down and, and really savor and enjoy. In fact, we watched this over roughly sort of three nights and, um, really sort of good quality episode each episode's about an hour long um and it's there's a few known actors in there but it's largely a, a cast that I, I haven't seen before so this is definitely yeah, as i say definitely one to watch if you're a fan of narcos or sicario or anything in that sort of um gangster um sort of genre i guess mm. nice uh, the other thing that I've watched is I've watched a movie, Paul. I've watched Godzilla vs. Kong. Now, this is a, a a new movie out, and I think I might have seen in last week's episode, I am not up to date with the, the monster universe. Like, I'm coming in really cold to this. I, to be honest with you, I'm not really a, a big King Kong or Godzilla fan. Like, it doesn't really... Uh, overly kind of get me excited but I had the opportunity to see the movie and I'll tell you what Paul I absolutely freaking loved it this is a movie I went in kind of expecting to be like how can this really be interesting like what are they going to do with it like it's a giant lizard fighting a monkey but I, I, I watching King Kong like punch Godzilla in the face punch a dinosaur in the face and kind of this epic battle that ensues sort of for the duration of the movie it was it was so much fun like, it's a complete popcorn movie. Uh, there's enough sort of human characters, and, you know, most of the humans are kind of just bystanders to what's actually going on in the wider movie, trying to um, protect society. And, you know, meanwhile, Godzilla and King Kong are literally destroying cities as they kind of, like, you use the city like a playground. But it's – this is good. Like, it's actually really sparked a bit of an interest for me. And I think I'm going to have to sort of go back and, and watch King Kong Skull Island, watch the first Godzilla movies. Like, they're not sort of, for me, they're not a I must see these, you know, top movies to see before you die type thing. But they're, they're a lot of fun. They're in the sort of the Fast and the Furious genre for me. You know, sit back, have a bit of a laugh, have a good time. And so, yeah, I guess this, is, this has got pretty good reviews um, in general out there. And as, as someone who was a bit of a, a naysayer, mm. I had a great time. Highly recommended. That's awesome. I have heard nothing but positive reviews for this one from everyone who's been to see it thus far and similar reaction to you, similar sort of 
preconceptions or going in with the whole i'm not interested in either character but put the two of them together and i'm interested um so that's that's really encouraging to hear i'm curious to know how far back the the rewatch goes in terms of are you thinking of just doing everything godzilla all the way back because that's a lot or is there a certain set of movies that are part of this specific universe i don't know uh that's probably um well look we we all know the actual you know the the full sort of suite of godzilla and king kong movies go back into the probably the 20s and the 30s but this this suite of movies I believe kind of starts around 2014. I'm just making this date up on the fly uh, with, I think, a Godzilla movie, but then uh, Kong Skull Island, that came out in, I think, 2017, and that actually is set uh, back in 1940 and gives a bit Mm -hmm. of context. And so there's only about five movies. They're available on sort of the different sort of streaming platforms here in New Zealand. So I don't think it's one we have to, like, these are the only ones that are kind of connected together, from what I understand. Um, the others are, you know, different standalone stories. This is the its own little package or suite of movies, as they say. Nice. And decent cast as well. You've got Alexander Skarsgård. You've got Millie Bobby Brown in there. You've got Rebecca Hall, Carl Channer. There's a fair few names in there, as you say, that sort of uh, from the human side, um, that's going to make it worthwhile. And, um, and I know that the director, Adam Wingard, is the guy he... He did Blair Witch and he did VHS, so there's a lot of there's a lot of great things about this, and I understand as well that it involves because um, we we had someone in our Discord channel uh, this week talking about as well that it involves the, the the premise that the Earth is hollow. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is right. Um, and so I don't want to go too into it because it's it's still too fresh out. It's not really a spoiler. It's just sort of the concept of you know what we we believe at the moment to be the centre of the Earth isn't actually what is the centre of the Earth, um, and it's basically where uh, these uh, monsters, for lack of a bit, that's probably the wrong wrong term, where these uh, creatures or whatever whatever you want to call them yeah. um, ultimately sort of come from, and it's I actually thought at one point like this the cast is actually quite it's grown quite big um from what i understand and if anything there's probably too many um actors but you know what it, it, it all kind of worked out it's even got um julian dennison who's from actually lower heart in new zealand which is um, right. awesome so he's he was in obviously hunt for the wilder people um and he's been in deadpool so it's it's great to see a little bit of a new zealand throwback in there but i'm telling you paul there is nothing better than seeing King, just from the one scene, King Kong lying on like a giant ship, and then like Godzilla comes out of the waters after him, and King Kong's just like sitting up and he's like just punching him in the water. It's so good, so much fun. It is. It's Saturday night popcorn stuff, and I imagine in the cinema as well in the theater would be really, really worthwhile. I was never that drawn into this genre of movie. I was, I have to admit, ever since the first Cloverfield movie. My, that I've kind of felt more drawn back into big creatures, big monsters, and then of course Pacific Rim, uh, sort of like that sort of that that scale of action. Yeah, I, I think Pacific Rim's a good shout actually because like I really enjoyed that first movie and it kind of actually piqued my interest to watch Pacific Rim again. And I always what's kind of a bit of a shame with those movies is they kind of do then they get a bit of a a, a top tier cast and then they often end up doing another movie and the and the level of actors kind of drops drops out of them and it's a shame they they can't sort of maintain a a good sort of cast throughout, which I think is something quite cool in this. Uh, Godzilla monster universes you know Millie Bobby Brown
Brown's been in the last couple of Godzilla movies and it's all just sort of connected and it makes it feel like a, a proper suite of movies. Mm. Awesome. And then the one other thing that I've been watching is there's been another episode, uh, episode four of um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I honestly can't stop raving about this show. Another epic, epic episode. I think this might be the highest rated episode yet of an already superstar um, TV show. And, you know, what was really great about this is it really sort of started, I guess, let the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier really sort of let, let them loose and they had some epic like fight scenes and some character scenes like it ended with a really dark moment with our, our new Captain America um, we had some great like guest appearances from uh, from Wakanda and uh, honestly well, it, it is so good it, it just makes me and I know I say this every week it makes me want I want for you to see these Marvel movies so that you can come and enjoy you know TV shows like this because they're just they're so good and they're so well told and the, the budget's so good. Uh, there's, it's it's just top quality. I feel like just like you come in each week saying it's so great and I come in each week saying I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there. I really need to speed that up. Um, you're right, it is the highest rated, it looks like. And all the reviews as well. Everyone in my workplace who's watching it singing off the same song shit as you, Dan, they're all, all raving about it and... Yeah, I'm having increasing FOMO week after week, if I'm honest. Same with this and also uh, with the um, the previous series, which name escapes me right now, WandaVision. Yeah, the WandaVision one. I, and this is a, in a whole different sort of – this This is a whole other tier. This is much more like the Marvel movies. As I think the, the WandaVision stuff is a, is a little bit of a, a different tone and pace. But this is, this is as I say, up there with the Captain America and, and the Iron Man content. And so I was just trying to think of the name of them before, but at the uh, the Dora Milaje are basically the the – uh, army of Wakanda, and because you you've you have seen Black Panther, haven't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Michonne obviously was one of the uh, Dora Milaje, and they're just awesome. So they they appear in this episode, and nice. somebody asks them like, "What sort of like you don't have any jurisdiction to operate in wherever in the world they are?" and in a complete badass way, one of them's just like, the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. And they've got their like full like Wakanda spears and like a big fight scene busts out and ah, it's good. I, I'm kind of sad we've only got two more episodes, um, but I'm expecting it to go out with a, a bit of a bang. And then it's actually not too long until we, we get Loki, which I think is in May or June. It feels like there's going to be a Marvel theme throughout this podcast for some time to come, all the way through probably till we get to you know the Star Wars series that will be dropping as well. So it'll be a very Disney feel anyway. And I think you know this is one of the great things that uh, Disney's doing. They've got so much original content uh, coming out. I saw a, a video the other day of Oscar Isaac um, in training for his role as um, Marvel's Moon Knight. And again, it's just. I like, like it's a bit like Netflix, right? Like they've got a whole bunch of their own content. They're, they're pumping money into it. It's doing well, and I think this is really paying off because I think what what it's really done is it's really kind of I think evened out and sort of changed the landscape a little bit. Where I think actors only wanted to be in movies, whereas now there's a whole other universe for them to 
to sort of or another continuation to sort of keep playing these characters in a in a different way. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's great for them, it's great for the fans, it's great for the industry. Bit of a side conversation, but I wonder what some of the actors that are sort of only on TV are feeling about the uh, the or these movie actors sort of encroaching into their space and sort of taking some of the roles that they might be auditioning for as well. It must be pretty harsh, but um, it's great from our point of view. Well, I think, you know, there is so much streaming now and there's so many different ways for TV shows to be either brought back to life or have a life which they wouldn't have previously gotten on um, mainstream network television that hopefully it's it's good for everyone. But that is me, Paul. Those are the, I guess, the the three main things that I've been watching. Apart other things, I've, I've sort of continuing my watch of Superstore. I'm continuing with Invincible. But how about you? What have you been watching? Um, so yeah, I've got three things as well. Although, firstly, a quick shout out to Virgil from our Discord channel because he pointed out to me that one of my Friday night favorite shows is back on TV, the Graham Norton Show, and I actually stopped watching this over lockdown because it was all done over zoom and it was all there was no one in the studio it was all very clinical it wasn't the same but now they're back in person with sort of separate seats and an overseas person's on the tv behind them and i'm not going to talk about the show but i just i did want to give it a special mention because this week i lost my shit as we had walter white from breaking bad up on the tv we had dci hastings and kate fleming from line of duty on the couch next to ray skywalker from star wars all talking to each other it was great and I just wanted to give a quick mention because that was that was as good a catch as I could imagine. The um, I f- go. I feel like the the Graham Norton show is always great value, but I've got one gripe with it, Paul. And maybe you can you know enlighten me. I feel like it's such a, a huge TV show, and it's so popular around the world. So many superstars on it, but I feel like his little TV that he has when he has people in the it, it, it's too basic. Like, come on, Graham, yeah. you can do better than that. It's like a, like, where'd you pick that from the warehouse? Like, I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's got a real, a real Kmart vibe about it, hasn't it? That TV. Maybe we should all, you know, put some money towards Graham getting a new TV for Christmas because you're quite right. Um, that one aside, the first thing I wanted to talk about is a, a movie I watched uh, from a director called Terry Morse called Unknown World. And this is about a scientist who predicts that the world is headed for a nuclear war. And so he puts together this team uh, who drill down directly into the earth to, to like foster this subterranean environment where survivors of such a war would, would be able to live. But as they go deeper and deeper into the earth, it gets more and more dangerous until they discover, you know, um, this place that they think they, they might be able to live. But is it too good to be true, Dan? Well, you just have to watch to find out. Is, is this one you've heard of, Unknown World? Um, well, as I wasn't alive in 1951, it wasn't one that was immediately on my radar. But no, no, you're <laughs> going to have to enlighten me. Uh, yes, it is 1951. Well spotted. I wondered if... Um, look, it's been a while since I dipped my hand into the Amazon Prime 50 cent lolly jar. And Dan, I feel I'm overdue a proper old movie. So, so strap in. And what I do wonder is if anyone was listening to my synopsis back then and was thinking, oh yeah, that sounds quite interesting. And was thinking of maybe giving it a go. And then I also wonder how many people heard you say I wasn't alive in 1951 and now realize it's a 70 year old movie and, and just instantly thought, oh yeah, maybe not. Because I tell you what, don't let it put you off, honestly, that 
the, the, the heart of this movie is this great story and this pioneering spirit. And it makes me think of people like, um, like George Lucas or Ridley Scott or uh, Steven Spielberg or people like that, that would have watched these movies and been inspired by them. That's how I felt. Um, and look, I don't care what rating it has on IMDb either. This is, this is just a great sci-fi adventure. And one of the things I thought of watching this movie is I just felt like making a sci-fi movie back in the fifties without all the tech and the budget and the special effects, it must've been so much harder, right? But at the same time, I felt like it must've been even more rewarding somehow from a creation point of view, because everything, every ounce of what you see on screen is, you know, from a director and a, and a producer's perspective is something they've created with their own hands almost. So, um, yeah, I, I just really had a great time. I, re- I really thought it had a, and a reasonably good story. It had some pretty big names in it from that time. So Bruce Kellogg, Marilyn Nash, George Baxter. If you check out some of the other movies these guys have done, they were in some brilliant early sci-fi stuff. Um, like it wasn't particularly exciting or overly shocking, um, but it tries some things that are way ahead of its time. And I think if you like a movie like, you know, obviously Journey to the Center of the Earth, you know, um, if you've ever enjoyed anything like that or any sort of, sci-fi of that nature i think it could definitely be be for you then it's is something (laughs) i I think the thing that always appeals to me most about these movies actually is the posters i feel like they always have got such a great uh retro vibe to me and i think you're right in terms of the uh the the old old school kind of effects and things which lead to the the movies of today ultimately and i think you're right like i actually think it would it would be way more fun trying to work out you know much like when you know when i think about the star wars movies you know and a lot of those scenes with all the stormtroopers and the spaceships like it's either models or it's paintings mm-hmm. or it's all sorts of like it's such a um it's a real craft right whereas everything's so digital these days and I would imagine it would have been a lot of fun trying to sort of problem solve, like how do we get this creature to kind of look yeah. good on film, and what does and what does that mean to us? I think you're right. Other than like Tom Cruise hanging off the side of a plane, everything else is is digital, right? Um, but what's funny is the thing that dates it more than the effects, or even the obviously it's black and white. It's just some real simple things that I guess back then no one would have blink twice but now when you watch it some 70 years later like so these guys are inside this cyclotram thing which is amazing it's this machine and vehicle that takes them uh, hundreds of miles beneath the surface and yet <laughs> two of the crew have got on board just wearing a, a business suit you know like dress trousers and office shoes you know i mean what is going on i just don't know you know and then as they're burying down into the earth this guy decides oh quite fancy smoke and he just gets out and lights his pipe um you know that's brilliant right that's just what you want in a small confined space but um i i find every now and then an older movie a trip back in time just grounds me somehow and so the science in this one isn't particularly credible but it's kind of like godzilla versus kong and another movie you don't you just accept what it is and you enjoy it for what it is and they'll take the same attitude this i probably give this one two guns akimbo Dan which isn't that high on the four scale that we've come to to use these days. But um, I think very few sci-fi movies from the 50s would probably get more than that from me. So this is worth 74 minutes of your time, I think. Um, I, I, I don't expect you to have too much to say back to this one. <laughs> As always, I'm in... Um 
admiration for your commitment to trying out these movies and I think this this is cool that you know these movies get a whole nother life like I you know you couldn't even imagine as an actor in this movie that you know a, a young pork now is probably watching this on the on the train on the way to work or something like it's Correct. it would be mind-blowing in itself that's exactly where I was watching it in fact the guy sat next to me was looking over looking at me like I was some crazy case as well um and I as I say there's a lot of these these actors in other movies like this and I found a lot of them are also on Amazon Prime so you know be warned they could they could cram up over the coming months who knows um the other thing I've been watching this week is uh, continuing CB Strike uh, so this um was the 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 British detective um private detective series um based off the novels by JK Rowling um series three and four uh which means uh we're totally up to date now so diana and i have both been watching this it's been really really good i would say these last two series haven't been as strong as the first series but i wouldn't want that to put anyone off i just think that that first one was just a real really really strong one um i think these last two seasons they've really tried to explore the dynamics of relationship between the two main characters so that's Cormoran Strike, the detective himself, and uh, and Robin uh, Ellicott, who is his um, his assistant, and so I think they spend quite a bit of time, sort of, focused on their their personal relationship, and sort of that takes away a little bit from the story and the crime and solving that crime. And I know it happens in shows all the time, but uh, I don't know. I feel like if you think about Sherlock or Line of Duty, those characters have personal relationships that are explored, but they're always with other people. And so when those characters come back together, they're at work and the focus is on the work. Whereas these two characters, it's, it's, it's all about them because there's only two characters. So that that's a little bit limiting, but um, the cases are really intricate, really good writing. Um, the rapport between the guys is good. He kind of reminds me of like a modern day take on Columbo. He's got that kind of, the way of thinking, the way of questioning, the way his brain works, which is which is great. And yeah, I love a private detective type um, movie or TV show. And I can't think of anything that's on the air that's better than this. I probably haven't seen one as compelling as this probably since like Elementary um, with Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really good. And I don't know. I haven't done my research if they're making a, a fifth series or if there's any more coming. If there's any more novels, I classic half measures. I haven't even looked into that, but I would love to think that there might. Nice. Look, it's still on my list. It still um, looks interesting. It's um, we were sort of looking for what's going to be our, our next watch, and it's yeah, it's, it's got all the kind of marks of a of a good looking TV show. So mm. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, and then the the final thing I watched, other than what we've watched together, um, is actually a gem of a New Zealand film uh, called Bellbird. Um, and this this movie came out in 2019. Um, it's a it's a drama with a nice a nice dose of comedy, I would say. And it's centered around this rural farmer who's a classic, very non talkative Kiwi bloke, um, whose whose wife dies in the very opening minutes of this of this movie. And it's all about how this this community, this rural community, rallies around him as they try and help him with his grief. And I actually heard about this movie a while ago and I never got to see it when it came out in 2019 so when I saw it was available to watch here in New Zealand on Neon I was keen to give it a go and I I have to say I won't beat around the bush I'm so glad I did because this is possibly the best New Zealand movie I have seen 
in the last few years for sure. It's 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 really strong. Um, it's written and directed by a guy called Hamish Bennett. Uh, he's previously written and directed some short films, and it features a really great cast. And many of those are sort of well-known people in our neck of the woods, including uh, Rachel Harris, uh, Stephen Tamarapa, Cohen Holloway, and and Marshall Napier, who plays the the main character, the farmer Ross. And um, yeah, it's is this one you're familiar with? Uh, yeah, I've seen it, but I've got to be honest with you, it it didn't instantly appeal to me just from the the cover but if you're going to throw out things like this is the best New Zealand movie I've seen in a long time then maybe I need to be checking it out because that's a big call Paul there's some top tier New Zealand movies out there yeah I I know and one of the things I'm classic at doing is overselling things to people like when I came out of the Rise of Skywalker and said, this is 10 out of 10, get in there and watch it, you know, and maybe it wasn't a 10. Um, I, I do get a bit excited, but I don't know. I, I've been quite reflective because this in August this year, it'll be 20 years I've been in New Zealand and watching Bellbird, there were a lot of things that I see in this movie, real simple things that in terms of the people and the, the, the country and the scenery and the culture that had, I don't know, something of a, an effect on me in my 20s that convinced me to, you know, make this my home. And it's almost like an out-of-body experience watching it on screen. It, and it, it got me quite upset at times, you know, imagining myself in, in Ross's position. If, you know, if, you know, if Diana wasn't around, it's the strangest thing because, you know, you see this all the time in movies and TV shows, but there's something about the story unfolding in a New Zealand context that I found very real and from my perspective, it's kind of a, I guess that's a, that's a tribute to the quality of the writing and the acting and the production of this movie. And I, I wonder what it's like for, you know, when people in other countries are watching a movie that's filmed in their own backyard, if it, if it resonates any more in that respect, when it's a story that sort of hits home like this, it was, um, yeah, a, a definite, um, definite watch. I read a couple of comments online, people sort of saying, oh, it's too slow. Um, and to anyone who's considering watching, I say, don't listen to them. It's it's paced just right. It, it feels like a perfect rainy Sunday afternoon movie as well. If you could, if you can arrange the, the rain to fall on a Sunday, perfect timing. Um, it's really good. And you know that how we enjoyed the Detectorists, yeah, the the British, you know, that kind of simple life comedy. It's got a vibe a little bit about that. Um, and so that, as you know, Dan, is meant as a real compliment. Say no more. Look, I think you, you've you sold it to me to give it a whirl. Um, I think what kind of maybe might have put me off was just sort of the, the, the New Zealand notion of then dealing with grief in the community. But mm. I think you've, you know what, Paul, you've, you've done a, a good sales pitch on me. I'm going to add it to the watch list. I'm going to check it out. That's great. It's made in association with the New Zealand Film Commission, which is always a good sign in terms of the production values. It's really got that for me. I did want to give a shout out as well to a young actor, um, Karukura Ratimana, who plays a young guy called Mali. He was absolutely brilliant. He delivers lines spot on. He nails every scene. Um, really worthwhile. Real good film movie, uh, feel good movie. You know, it's it's there's so much heart in there. So, yeah. I give it all the guns then. There you go. All the guns. That's uh, it's quite the honour. We should actually put a, a category on our website that has movies that get all the guns. I reckon we should. Me- or, a New, or a New Zealand category. Let's, let's, let's show a bit of loyalty, shall we? <laughs> oh, wow. All right. All right. Let's uh, forward that on to the development team, see what they can do. Good. Good, good, good. 
that's all I've been watching this week, Dan, with the exception of the things we watched together. Shall we get into a little bit of Fear the Walking Dead, which is returned um, for 2021? We should indeed. And once again, if you're not a fan, take a look at the show notes and uh, scrub ahead to our movie of the week feature because we're going to go deep into the return of Fear the Walking Dead, Dan. I'll tell you, Paul, you know, the listeners um, are used to my my rants and my, you know, long moans about things. But this show, straight out the gate, a million times better than any of the previous Walking Dead episodes that we've seen, uh, particularly on this uh, six-episode arc, maybe apart from the Negan episode, I guess. Uh, but this, I think what really was great about it for me and – Again, it, it's probably because I think this episode was filmed before the the real lockdown started. It just having multiple characters on screen really made this work. Having lots of um, walkers, having um, Morgan and John, and it was just it felt it felt more uh, more what I want my Walking Dead universe to be. And this, you know. I came into this episode and I thought to myself, "What? make sure you watch a YouTube um, reminder of what previously happened so that you don't have any complaints for Paul when Paul tells you to watch a YouTube reminder. So well done. I, I, I well did, done. I did that first. And it just reminded me actually of how enjoyable the Fear the Walking Dead universe has become and how much I still – like, you know, more, like Morgan is almost the Rick of the Walking Dead universe, right? New Morgan. And – and, that, and that's so good, and, and it was so great to come straight into a John episode. Like, I know that we're both big John fans. And I think what's really great about, I think, John as a character in this episode is John's been on a real journey, and he's he was really kind of at the the end of that journey. And, you know, from, from the start of it, he was you know, obviously thinking about taking his own life and sort of ending it all. But he's... He he's so good with his gun, right? Like he's like picking off walkers at the door, just single shotting everyone. It's look, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I entirely agree with everything you just said, which is which is a rarity, right? But it it really is what you hit the nail on the head when you said about just like the gang all together and just multiple characters. That was one of the things that we saw lacking in the this last season of the the Walking Dead that we watched and. This episode, so this is season six, episode eight, uh, The Door. Uh, it's called, just for anyone who's not familiar with the episode, if you're too lazy to fast forward past us, or if you are listening, you're, we're hoping you're a fan. So this is a, a reunion with an old friend, helps pull John out of his darkest moment yet, back at Lawton, Virginia, demands some answers. That's the, that's the episode that we're looking into. If you've watched it, you'll know what we're talking about. I think, for me, what makes it really really good is how well thought through this episode was and i think um you know it's what makes it more sad is the fact that we had to dive into what you said about john we had john on the verge you know at an all-time low at the lowest point any person can can reach and he got pulled out of that through through a combination of the amazing morgan um and circumstance i guess and then someone else takes takes him out anyway it's 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 i don't know it just really caught me off guard and i thought it was really cleverly written i think you're right so you know i think what we're used to with the the walking dead in particular and, and even fear the walking dead is they like to toy with us with main characters mm. and i feel like they did exactly this 
to they did this to us in this episode, but they followed through. And that was the the almost kind of the scary and terrifying thing about it because like I would probably say, you know, Morgan, John, uh June, uh, Victor, Alicia, like you know, those are probably our, our real top tier characters on that show. Mm. And when uh John is ultimately like ultimately dies I was gobsmacked. I, I was almost sad. I was like, I I can't believe it. Like because I, you know, in in my mind, I'm like, he's going to get back to June. Like they're they're a, they're a great couple. Like it's going to be a great combo. It's going to be so so good. He's going to join Morgan. He, he's such a strong character. Um, and when I when he turned, I was almost like, has he actually turned, or is he just kind of you know really kind of like bleeding and pale from like losing so much blood but i was just i was in shock yeah no it's it's really clever how they made us think they made us think that june was thinking that john had turned into a zombie because of the way he was he was moving on the floor before we could see his face but we know because we're clever with the audience we know that this is just going to be one of those wonderful moments where she's wrong and he she's going to be able to patch him up but then we discover that we're wrong we are the ones who've got it all wrong. And that's, they went to so much effort to convince us that John was going to live. You know, they, they, after him deciding to choose life, you know, he then gets shot and then he sinks into the water, but then he sees the photo and he manages to put himself back up and starts floating. And then he has June find him. As you say, all the signs are like, this is a guy who's hit rock bottom and now he's back and he's going to be better than ever. And I can't wait because, you know, John, I think, uh, I think I've said this before, it probably is, my favorite character on the show and and i just thought it was brilliant how they did that i think the other thing that like the other thing that was really interesting in uh this episode is that she revealed quite a bit about so at the end of the previous season season five um where morgan's kind of left for dead at that church Mm. and it was always sort of mysterious about how he survived that and he tells the story in this episode how um he he thought he was going to die and then he kind of woke up and he was all bandaged up and i don't know about you paul but there was always kind of played out who was this mysterious person that saved him and um in my mind i was sort of like you know could it be madison this is sort of the way that madison comes back into the Back right. into the show, um, and obviously uh, Dakota in this in this episode reveals that it was her that actually saved Morgan, and w- whether that turns out to be true or not, um, who knows? But I, I, I have no reason to think that just sort of not going to be that complex that they need to lie to us about it. But um, interesting to kind of like close off that loop as well. And I actually think this is going to really like you know Morgan as a character is in a really dark spot, and this is going to really amplify that emotion. I think, and it's going to be interesting to see what June does as well because I think it's always sort of been the June and John show mm-hmm. um, in terms of that sort of that love story. And now that that's not there, I think the the stakes are really going to be turned up. That's right. And that's another thing that makes this this death, uh, ironically, a good thing, because it does. It's going to heighten those emotions for Morgan and for John. We're going to see different dynamics of them as a result of this. The other, the other clever thing that this episode achieves for me is that I have a character that I that I dislike and I can focus my, my anger about John's death towards. And that's that's you know, that's Dakota, that's Virginia's sister. Um, you know, she's taken out John, she's taken out our beloved crow maddie from terminator sarah connor chronicles and many other things he's been in it's great because when you have like a 
what would you call it? Like a, like a forced villain that's written in. Sometimes that works, but it depends largely in many cases on the quality of the actor or actress who's cast as that villain. But what we've got here is someone who has become a villain because they've done something unforgivable to someone that we care about as an audience, just like Negan did. And that's a really effective way for, for me to get more invested in the show because now I'm like, do you know what? I got no time for you to Dakota. I'll tell you what, Paul. As soon as that happened, I thought we need a Carol scene where Karen goes and shows Dakota the flowers and just finishes it all off because she needs to be she needs to be sorted out. And it actually made me think a little bit more about you know like obviously the Virginia's uh, kind of the the villain also of of the show, but actually you know Dakota's actually turned out to be just as much of a rat bag, mm. and all of these people are ultimately doing, and I think it's it's the same with Negan how he creates the saviors, it's the same with um, Rick and Co how they create their community. Everyone's just trying to protect their patch, right? And they're trying to do it in ways which um, stop people either getting hurt or losing stuff that they've acquired, and but there's all it always creates another sort of form of villainy all around it. You're so right. I, I honestly feel like um there's there's now so many layers around this and I can only hope because I'm I'm optimistic about some things, but you know, the Walking Dead has, has sometimes let us down. I can only hope that they're gonna continue with this line of storytelling, with this this approach, and that we're not going to go off into separate character episodes. Because I'm wondering if we might, because of the COVID effect. I don't I don't know. I'm completely speculating at this point. But um, no, I really agree with that. And I um, just I don't want to overfocus on this John Death thing. But I, I just, as gutted as I am to see my favourite character go out the show, I appreciate the shock factor of that. I appreciate the death because. It's that is what Fear the Walking Dead and this whole Walking Dead universe is all about. Never knowing if you're going to make it through the day. And I appreciate the timing of this because this is what's been missing in the Walking Dead series for for a mile, you know, at least give or take that last episode, is that fear that someone actually might not make it out alive. And I know we've had that briefly, but I feel like it's been a while since I've actually been shocked like that. And so that is you know, we talked about, well, I talked about last week or the week before about why I watched this this show and it's it's the fear and it's the waiting to be shocked. There are certain TV shows where you just never know who's going to make it out. Sopranos felt like it was one, um, I, I can't think of any others at this point, but this this has come back to its back to basics and now I'm on edge for every single character because if they can get rid of John, they can get rid of everyone. So, um, yeah. I think you're right, and I think it also paints the picture of, you know, and what they were able to show in this episode is, you know, John was a, a real had a real mastery and craft of the way that he used his gun. He was a real survivalist. He used to be a cop. He knows how to he knows how to live, um, and it's actually not always the, you know, that the walkers or the zombies that are always the greatest threat. It's often other people and the, you know, the circumstance around or the situation that you often you know put yourself in, and it's often the ones which maybe aren't aren't initially as dangerous as you think they're going to be. Because, you know, like so often, I think in The Walking Dead, we're so used to characters normally tripping backwards and having a zombie fall on top of them, and then it'll be sort of snapping away at them like a hungry hippo, and they'll eventually push it off or someone will come and stab it. But this actually did something different, and they followed through. And I think you're right. I It would be great for them to sort of maintain those stakes. And even I think they should think about that too with the, the last season of Walking Dead, like 
not all 2,400 of the main characters in that show actually need to survive. Like, there, there should be some risk. And I know that, you know, this episode was actually meant to be aired as the as the finale, but they couldn't finish it in time for, for COVID. But I actually kind of like the notion of actually starting the season with a real bang. Yeah. Like, let's start and get scared. That's, that's a really good observation. I, I didn't realise that. And I think you're right, because now that you say that, it does feel like a way to end a, ser- a season with that. But you sort of, you're absolutely right. You never expect it to start. And then in episode one or episode one of that series, part for one of the characters to be written off, because you're like, oh, well, if they're going to do that, why didn't they do that last season? It's such, it's such a shock factor. It's, it's, it's really good. It's a really strong start to the to season six part two much like they started season six part one with that episode that was focused solely on morgan and his transformation and him getting the new weapon grim reaper stick thing <laughs> i don't know what you call that thing indeed indeed and i also like the other thing at the end of this episode when morgan's basically radioing everyone to be like let's get ready and it kind of gave us a uh, a little flash scene of where everyone's at. We got to see Dwight. We got to see Alicia. We got to see, you know, and we kind of just get to see everybody. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's got all these people on his side. And it kind of gets you hyped up for where to next. Pay attention, Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead is a show you should be watching. I think we've, we've always said it, Paul. It's, 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 it's really come into its own. All right. Must be time for a little bit of um, a movie of the week. So Indeed. each week, um, Paul and I take turns choosing movie of the week. Um, if you would like to watch along with us, then we post that movie in our Discord channel. You should come and join that. You can see what we're going to be watching. Um, join in on the other conversation and banter that happens over there. Uh, but this week, Paul, what did we watch? This week, Dan, we watched Bill and Ted face the music. Once told that they would save the universe during uh, a time-traveling adventure, Bill and Ted, two would-be rockers from California, find themselves as now middle-aged dads, still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. Dan, I'll let you take this one. So, as a, as a young Daniel Whiting, um, I was a big Bill and Ted fan. I, as, like, you know eight, nine, ten, loved these movies. I remember having a, a Bill and Ted game on my Nintendo Game Boy and I thought it was the greatest thing. When this movie first came out, I was kind of like, oh, should this happen? Should it? Um, I was kind of intrigued about watching it and it, it made me really reflect on, you know, the other day I was talking about the Sonic movie and actually it was a, a pure delight and pure fun. This movie, I this is probably the first movie, Paul, I literally considered, I don't know if I'm going to watch this all the way to the end. Mm. And I considered turning it off. I didn't because I was like, that's not the half measures way, but it's kind of a half measures way. But I, I followed it through. But I I did not enjoy this experience at all. I felt like it was cringy. I felt like the humor didn't really land for me. I felt like, yes, it was Bill and Ted of past, but it was all just kind of weird. Like there was a couple of moments that were fun. Um, probably the, you know, when Bill and Ted are visiting their, um, one of their future selves when they're in jail and they're all buffed up and they've got tattoos all over their bodies. And that, that was kind of fun. But I don't think this movie needed to exist. You're right. 
this is one of those times where they 100% should have just let let it be. And as you know, I am normally all for any kind of sequel or revisiting a film series from 25 years ago or, or more. And when I think about movies that we've seen over the last few years that have been a sequel to a movie that, you know, was some time before. So like, you know, even coming to America that we watched recently, Blade Runner 2049, um, the other things that I was thinking about is on the train, that there was Train Spotting 2 and, and Mad Max Force Awakens. By and large, I like all of those, uh, or at the very least, those movies gave me something that, something that made me pleased that they made a sequel. But for, for Bill and Ted 3, other than thinking, well, at least Alex Winter got a paycheck, and that's that's probably a little bit condescending, but I, I've got nothing down, honestly, absolutely nothing. Yeah, I look. I even like. I'm. I consider myself quite a quite a big Keanu Reeves fan. I I really enjoy him in John Wick. We obviously love him in The Matrix. He's great in um, Point Break. Like he's he's such a a great actor, and he's so much fun. There was something about a beardless uh, Keanu Reeves that kind of creeped me out, and I. I don't know, like, you know, like when you watch a movie, like, and, and I'm guilty of watching these types of movies, like, you know, like a Step Brothers type movie where it's all a bit slapstick and, um, kind of like dick joke movies. This is, this kind of is, I, I don't know, it just didn't resonate for me at all. And it just made me uncomfortable to watch. And I just, I just didn't have a good time. And I'm, to be honest with you, Paul, I'm actually surprised it's reviewed as well as it has because there seems to be quite yeah. a few people that, actually really think they've done a great job at, at continuing this story. And, I, you know, apart from sort of the first few moments where I was like, oh, that's right, the wild stallions, and oh, that's right, these guys are all about this. But I kind of was like, oh, it's got a bit of a Wayne's World feel, but it's almost insulting to Wayne's World. And uh, it just didn't sit anywhere natural for me and is one that I definitely won't be watching again. No, I again, agree. I, I noted the IMDb score was a lot higher than I would have given it. So, you know, maybe there are people out there laughing and maybe there will be a bill and ted four but if there is i won't be probably partaking in that i was i think there was something weird about keanu reeves with her beard diana even said oh he looks odd and she was absolutely right there was something very odd but there was also something very weird about watching men in their 50s acting like that like it made me feel really awkward and uncomfortable and squirming feeling embarrassed for them particularly you know keanu reeves who as you say has been an awesome just in in so much and at one point i was actually sitting there and think I actually sort of questioned myself and I was like, am I, am I just pissed off right now? Or is there something wrong? But you know, I'd had a great day and it was Saturday night and I don't know. I just, um, and it's funny. Did I hear you mention stepbrothers? Cause I, I was thinking about, you know, adults behaving like kids can sometimes really work like, like stepbrothers, but I don't know, maybe it's just the way that they're talking to each other. Maybe that was funny back in the late eighties and early nineties, but now that way of talking isn't a thing anymore. And and I, th I think that's the thing, right? Like, I think you either get that tone right or you don't. And in this case, I don't think they got it right because I, I'm with you. It, it did feel awkward and it, it kind of seemed like they were a little bit too simple in the way they were behaving. Like, it was almost more, it was almost more enjoyable to see their kids acting in that way. Um, but to sort of see these two, um, growing 50 year old men and they've kind of got, they've got their wives who they've brought back from 16th century England. It all just kind of felt wrong. And when did this come out? 2020? Like, I, like it's, I just think the world's changed so much. And 
it would have almost been better just to kind of reboot this as opposed to try to bring in the the original. It's it's a bit of a miss for me. Yeah, real good call on the on the. I actually wonder even if they did a reboot, even if that would work, because I I still wonder if that type of humor isn't a thing anymore. But like I said, as, as you pointed out, the IMDb rating is still there. I think the one positive I took out of this. Um, for me, one of my favorite characters from the previous, um, it was the Grim, was the Grim Reaper. Um, but you know, he, he comes into it. Um, this is, um, William Sadler's character. He comes into it pretty late in this movie, like 20 minutes to go and it wasn't enough to save it. But, um, yeah, I am pretty glass half full kind of guy. And I struggle just to come in with the positive. Cause you know, I remember us talking about this, back in one of the earlier podcasts when it was in the in our news desk it was announced and i was like excited for a third but i would say dan of all the movies of the week that we've done so far this one rates bottom of the pile for me (laughs) it's pretty hard isn't it like i feel like i've been hard on movies before like i was trying to think of that robert redford movie the lone gunman or the last or something and i would watch that again before i watch this movie (laughs) that was a great and so that's i think (laughs) <laughs> and so I don't know I think sometimes these movies like I was actually kind of looking forward to watching this as well I thought oh this is going to be it's going to be a bit dumb but it's going to be fun and it's going to have some great throwbacks but yeah no just just not a great time 100% and uh, let's leave it at that Dan and talking of the news desk can I please employ you to to bring the mood up a little with some news all right well I'm actually going to start with some some down buzz news but I'll see what I can do with it. So there's been a few um, movie move-arounds and reshuffles as we're, we're getting pretty used to at the moment. So it looks like uh, Top Gun Maverick um, has been moved from the 2nd of July all the way to the 19th of November. And that's taken over Mission Impossible 7's now former date. MI7 is now scheduled on the 27th of May 2022, which makes Mission Impossible 8 now no, uh, that what's going to be November uh, 22 to July 23. Good grief. I thought Just to add to that, <laughs> so also the Dungeons and Dragons film, which we've been talking a lot about, um, has been pushed from May 22 to March 23. So that's almost another year away as well. So crikey, Paul, I don't know. So many delays, so many uh, changes. I, I almost just wish that people wouldn't announce so early. And I know that they're Mm. um, adjusting for the pandemic and stuff, but I feel like don't tell me now that your movie is coming out in 2023 because you clearly don't know. It's probably coming – like you don't know it's coming out on that date. You know, just tell me it's been – it's been delayed. Yeah, let me know when you it's coming out next week. It's crazy because last week you got me hyped up because you're like, oh, you know, cinemas are opening back up. There's, it's like, well, why are they pushing things back? I would have thought they'd be bringing things forward. I obviously don't understand the economics of it all. I don't know, Paul. I don't know. It's a it's a wild world we live in. Um, what else have we got here? So there is a live action uh, Gundam movie being developed for Netflix. I don't know if you do you know what Gundam is. It's no. sort of those. Japanese giant robot, like, like Pacific Rim type thing, but giant giant robots are really popular in Japan. Okay, and so there is a, a, a yeah a live action um, movie being developed, which I think will be pretty awesome. Hopefully, if it's sort of in that Pacific 
grim type style, maybe a bit more um, a bit more lasers and flying around and all that type of stuff, but that should be pretty exciting. And the fact that it's coming straight to Netflix should be pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, what else have I got here? Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she's been cast alongside Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones 5, which is, is going to be interesting. They haven't said what her role is going to be, uh, but I know that you're a big Indiana Jones fan and we're, we are both uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge fans, so that should be interesting. Do you know what? I just, so I don't know why I'm sharing this, but as you said it, I had a, I had a memory that I had a dream in the week. I dreamt. I don't know if I should say this because if it comes true, it's going to be weird. But I, I dreamt that I was watching TV and they announced that Harrison Ford had died. And like a selfish person, I sat there and thought, oh, no, no we're not going to get Indiana Jones 5, which is a really selfish thing to think. But um, you've just reminded me that he is still alive. And yes, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Excellent. I can't wait. Episode 60, you've heard it here first, breaking news. Hopefully it's not true, um, but nevertheless. Um, but a Bridgerton news as well. So uh, Netflix has already officially confirmed season three and four, and which is a bold move on Netflix's part. Um, and also great, I think, for the, the cast and the writers because they're still actually working on season two and to already have that commitment to go into three and four is always great for the writers and everyone working on that TV show. And one final bit of news. This is not really movie news, but kind of connected to everything we talk about here on the Half Measures podcast. And it's probably going to be of interest to you, Paul. Do you know that Hasbro has been working on a uh, Optimus Prime, op- Optimus, God, Optimus Prime robot um, that transforms. Yes, into a truck. Yes, but automatically. It's going to cost seven hundred American dollars. I've seen some videos. It looks incredible. I imagine our younger selves would be so hyped up to see a, a Optimus Prime that just transforms right between, right in front of you. That's definitely more than meets the eye. That is Christmas. That is birthday. Let's hope that people who buy us presents are listening to this podcast, Dan, because that's what we want, right? Exactly, exactly. That is not going to be a cheap um, order in New Zealand, (laughs) but it will look great on any Transformer or Collector's fans' shelf. And, Paul, that is all I have on the news desk. Well, the the one piece of news that I had is that this week Paramount announced that they will be releasing an untitled Star Trek movie in 2023, June 2023, but as we know... Dates mean nothing these days. Um, it's completely untitled at this point. Um, it'll be the first Star Trek movie um, since we heard Beyond from Justin Lin in 2016. There's no information as to whether we're going to continue with that cast, you know, Chris Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, Gal Lubin, or will it involve something that's post the Next Generation films? Will it be an entirely new um crew there's just nothing it's just it's a new star trip movie and that in itself is exciting enough for me so i look forward to that intriguing always um great there's, there's always star trek news happening isn't there there's always something in the in the works which is a good thing that's the way that is a good thing it's the way we like it it was a real dark time from like 2005 to 2009 when we had nothing we always remember those four years um and finally, some news about Half Measures podcast, and that is that we are now available on audible.com. So anyone who prefers that app can now listen to us over there. So not just Amazon, 
or Apple or Spotify or Google or Audible as well. From that, I'll take us straight into the mailbag for two quick things this week. Um, so, uh, Better Call Saul Season 2 um, review, the post we made of that a couple of weeks ago, that was shared on Twitter by the show's editor, Chris McCaleb, and the writer of one of the shows that we discussed in that podcast, um, Gordon Smith. Gordon, he's worked as a writer and a producer for Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. He has given us, then, some of the best stories in the history of television. We've talked about these in, in previous podcasts, and I think when you go through the the credits of what episodes he's written, there are episodes that we have raved about. So if he seeing our five-star review online just for a split second brought a smile to his face, then this entire podcast is worthwhile in my book. Um, and then the other thing, last week's peak performance. So that was um, our producer, Samara's choice, Matt Wahlberg. Uh, nominations this week, uh, Sarah from Pori Rua went with Ted. I've forgotten about that movie. I, I, I think I thought you might have had it on your list at one point i always remember that scene where he was going through what he considered to be those those white trash names which was absolutely amazing and probably offended heaps of people at the same time um we had nat in wellington uh give us his three two one um of other guys the departed and the infamous boogie nights and finally we had paddy give us his three two one of the other guys uh the foiter and the departed so Dan, a lot of love for the other guys, a movie you chose last week. I feel like a rewatch must be in order. That is the mailbag. Amazing. Amazing. Um it must be time for a little bit of our peak performance. Indeed it is. So as I said just earlier, you know, last week our producer Samara King provided us with the uh peak performance of Warburg. And so this week it's the turn of Half Measure's other producer, Trisha. Brady and Dan, she has picked for us the legendary actress Maggie Smith. Uh, who's going to kick us off this week? Uh, I can go if you like. So, yeah, I think, as you say, Maggie Smith is a, a treasure of the film and um, TV world and has got a, a huge back catalogue of uh, movies and TV shows. Uh, but as always, it's always a bit of a, a challenge to get it down to your top three. Um, I actually feel like we're probably going to have some similarities this week, Paul, um, if I look into the crystal ball correctly. So the first movie I'm actually going to go with is a movie – this is one of those movies I surprisingly didn't expect to enjoy but actually had a great time watching it. And this was the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So this movie came out in 2011 and it's basically, basically about some, some British retirees travel to India to take up residence in what they believe is a new a newly sort of restored or renovated hotel. Um, and it's less luxurious than advertised. And just seeing this great British cast and in particular Maggie Smith's character as Muriel Donnelly just interact with it and just this they're, they're so put out by it. It was a, a lot of fun this movie and um definitely definitely up there for me. Um number two, I'm actually gonna go with Downton Abbey. So many fond memories of watching Downton Abbey. Um I might have told the story on the pod before, but once when I, I broke my leg and I was just watching 
you know, endless TV shows for a while. Downton Abbey was one of those shows and, again, not a show that was kind of on my radar, but I, I had a lot of fun watching it. And so Maggie Smith as um, Violet Crawley is – she's one of the stars of that show and such a – so much great wit and banter and a, a sharp tongue and a great character. And then my number one, and I'm, it's really hard to sort of choose one movie, but I'm just, I'm going to go with sort of the Harry Potter genre. Um, and obviously, Maggie Smith plays Professor Minerva McGonagall. And again, she's, she's just got, she's the type of character that she's kind of like the, the loving grandmother who will always sort of, take you under her arm she'll she'll fight off the bullies she'll you know deal with your sort of troubles and she kind of makes you feel safe in a in a in a weird way so yeah three two one for me is the best exotic marigold hotel downton abbey and harry potter well done let's see how your crystal ball's going so number three for me is the 2011 movie the best exotic marigold hotel <laughs> so uh well done there um i love her in this she's got a mouth like a sewer in this movie i don't know how much you remember about it but she's got that brilliant london accent which is so so different to so much else she does and you know alongside uh, judy dench and 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 tom wilkinson and bill nye that they are an awesome set of four senior citizens as you could ever hope to meet and i always remember the one i always remember is how she is livid with this cup of tea that she she gets served and she just berates this guy and explains how it should be done and how she's sick and tired that the water's never boiling in <laughs> over there and she doesn't want this tepid shit and it, it's just great it's just one of the best scenes ever watching maggie smith just talk about tea because there's a lot of myself i see in that number two uh, for me is Professor McGonagall from the Harry Potter movies. And like you, it's really hard to narrow down one, but I, th I think this is the first time she really struck me um, as being really awesome. And I, and I know I say this a lot, but honestly, who else could have played Professor McGonagall as well as Maggie Smith? She's She does offer that layer of protection, but she's also got that sort of that teacher that I was always kind of terrified at school. And again, so many great one-liners throughout the entire series. It's um, a perfect role for her. But slightly slightly more memorable for me, Dan, is in fact Danton Abbey as the, uh, as the Dowager Countess. Um, so three out of three. I don't know if we've done that before, but um, slightly different order maybe. But uh, this, is, this is a show that is very character-driven, right? And there are so many great characters in this show. And without doubt, she is my number one character as Violet Crawley. She's she's amazing. I would I would go as far down. I'm gonna really put myself out. I would say in her portrayal of the Dowager Countess, she is possibly a top ten TV character in the last decade. That is high a praise as I can give for this. She has so many great put downs, and whilst you know if we were to compare this to Beth Dutton in Yellowstone, they're not on the quite same scale, but within the context of the world that she's living in at that point, she's immaculate, absolutely brilliant. So that's my three, two, one, Dan. That is amazing, Paul. We don't often um, get truly in sync, but this is probably the closest we'll ever come. We've been in sync tonight on Bill and Ted. We've been in sync tonight on our peak performances. Fear the Walking Dead, everything we're in sync on. Um, we're two from here I don't know but I'll just quickly mention because uh, Trisha very kindly gave us her 321 for Maggie Smith as well so I'll, I'll call those out now she actually went with uh, Sister Act 
Um, and again, she's like both of them uh, as her number three. Um, number two, 1969's The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. And I love how deep into the back catalogue that Trisha has gone here because I, for one, have never never seen this one, but I've, I've looked it up and it sounds pretty good. And number one? It's probably a bit too modern for you, I'd say. What Correct. Oh, been what, a, what is she yeah. thinking? 1969. Get back into the 50s where the real stuff was, right? Um, and number one is uh, Professor McGonagall from the Harry Potter movies. So we've we've got that in sync with... Um, with Trisha as well. So, um, yeah, so we'd love to hear a, um, a peak performance suggestion from any of the listeners as well. So do get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at half measures pod. And, uh, who knows we could choose yours. Amazing. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of episode 60 of the half measures podcast. It does indeed. And thanks again to time traveling team podcasts. Um, of which, of course, Trisha is a co-host uh, for supporting this week's episode. Um, yeah, so special thanks to Trisha Brady and Samara King, our Patreon producers. If you would like to become a, a Patreon supporter, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios. <laughs>